evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to your latest instalment of the Gelsnet podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans. Um, just another quick one, of course, you can get us all over at the website, gelsnet.co.uk, and on Twitter at Gelsnet Online. Um, on the website, you can obviously visit the forum, and we've got a weekly podcast as well. And of course, all of our content is free. Um, over here tonight, just to dissect yesterday's 4 0 league victory over Livingston at Ibrox but just before we do that we need to go in and mention our sponsors and that is Forest Precision Engineering they're a subcontract Glasgow based engineering company and they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years we're absolutely delighted that they're back in our podcast you can get them over at www.forestprecisioneng.com and you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge which is a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand at Ibrox for more information on how to book this unique and intimate space you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk um, and just before I introduce my, my guests as well um, a little um, Gelsnet announcement as well it's been quite a big weekend um, for the podcast um, we managed to um, whiz past our first million views on YouTube um, which Alec Anderson is extremely proud of and taking all the credit for so fair play to him for that um, and also yesterday we managed to have um, our first post-match reaction pod from inside Ibrox where Dougie um, done a great um, pod uh, just reviewing the game so that is something that we are going to be looking to bring you more of this season um, but now it's time to introduce my guest first up um, Ross Bennett Ross don't think I've been on with you for a while, mate. How are you doing? I'm very well. It's been a, a, a long summer. Um, absolutely thrilled. You know, I was spent best part of two months gagging for the football to come back, and then we balls it up against Kilmarnock. So <laughs> thankfully, normal service has resumed. I'm kind of I'm happy to be getting back into the swing of things. Absolutely, and Mr. Gary Valentine, big game, Gary. How are you doing, mate? Bad, mate. How's yourself? Ah, not too bad. Um, enjoyed the. Uh, the Gelsnet team night out last night was very good in New Edinson House, so aye, it was good. But um, now we'll crack on and, and talk about the game. Um, Gary, may as well just start with you, 4-0, um, pretty comfortable in the end. Um, there was a wee sort of dodgy moment, I feel like, where Shinny, I think, had a chance. But all in all, it was a, it was a comfortable one, wasn't it? Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. Um, only concern is that it's taken us so long to kind of put the game out of sight. Um, I think that was one of our problems last Tuesday as well. But, um, yes, it's, it's loads of positives to take away from it. As you say, there was maybe a five, ten minute spell that Levinson had a, a couple of chances. And at 1-0, that's always quite dodgy. But um, we managed to get the second goal eventually. And then, as normally happens, the other team kind of collapses and then we got another couple as well. So it's good to see some guys getting on the score sheet, the, the newer players and things like that. So, uh, yeah, all around a, a good day, I'd say. No, it was in a clean sheet as well, Jack Butland's first one um, in a Rangers jersey. I mean, Ross, I was saying yesterday, obviously it's great getting a 4-0 win, scoring three goals in the last 10 minutes or so. I think the next stage for us, well, we want to get to is we want to have that last 10 minute spell in the first 10 or 20 minutes of games and just get the game killed early on instead of having those sort of wee nervy moments towards the end. Yeah, absolutely. And, and arguably we could and should have done that against Servette on, on Wednesday um, when we started really, really well and, and I just couldn't keep up that level of intensity. And I think I can remember being on some shows with you guys last season at various points where we were talking about how in phases of the games we looked really good and in phases of the games we would fall away. And and one of the biggest problems I think that Van Bronckhorst had as Rangers manager was he couldn't coax a 90-minute performance out of the team. 
Um, and, and you could argue that that was the same yesterday, uh, where we obviously had a really, really strong end to the game, but for large parts, it was a little bit flat, arguably. Um, it was definitely the same against Servette, where we started really well and then fell away and, and, and kind of ebbed and flowed in and out of it. So but it was it was comfortable. Um, this, it was the absolutely deserved and the right result. Uh, and, and as Gary says, I think some, some players that will have done them the world are good to, to get on the score sheet and uh, and experience a happy crowd at Ibrooks uh, because the crowd at Ibrooks on on Wednesday it wasn't overjoyed, I suppose, with, with that result. So uh, it's a good day at the office. Obviously, I, I, Celtic are, are two wins from two, but they do look vulnerable. I think it's fair to say in in, in both of their games so far they've looked quite vulnerable. So um, what's important now is after that slip up against Kilmarnock last week because we need to start to put some momentum together. No, absolutely. Gary, I mean, Ross mentioned it there, you know, about Celtic not looking at their best just now. Um, the issue with that is, but they're still managing to win games. They go up to Pataudry today. Well, uh, you know, I was about to say a difficult game for them, but, you know, it's a guaranteed 12 points every year, isn't it, up there for them? But, you know, traditionally one of the, the difficult places to go, they manage to, you know, grind that result when they're not playing well. Let's not mess about. Celtic will get better, but we will also get better as well. But, you know, I don't want to be all singing, all dancing, you know, everything's great, everything's fine. I've probably been quite negative this week, which is unlike me, because normally I'm quite positive about things, but I think I'm just really sick and tired of getting into this sort of, you know, nuance and mindset of constantly failing, constantly losing, and, you know, just trying to paper over the cracks with, you know, talking about, you know, goals and assists and this, that and the next thing. I just want a Rangers team to go out, win games of football, win trophies and win leagues. That's all we want. So we will get better. Um, as I said to Ross, but it's about trying to do that last 10 minutes in the sort of first 10 minutes. How much do you think the introduction of Ravi Matondo and Sima um, changed that yesterday? Obviously, massively, they came on and we scored with three goals after they came on. Um, then the day, that's, that's what Bill's wanting. He's wanting players with pace that can come on, and it's it's not just players with pace; it's players with pace that are fresh when other teams tired. And uh, I think that's the perfect example. Yesterday, that's what happens when you've got those kind of options you can bring off off the bench. Uh, I dare say, if they were to start the game, that they wouldn't have had the same impact. I think that the timing was perfect, and. Uh, it also helps that we can make those five substitutes. So it's not just a case of um, maybe keeping players for certain moments. You can change basically half your team. And, and obviously your squad's better than Levinson, so it's, it should give us a, a a good impact to do that at, at the right time. And it, it worked a treat yesterday. It did. And, and Gary, one thing that I, I kind of noticed as well, comparing it to last week at Rugby Park, the changes that Bill made were pretty light for light, not just in terms of position, but the type of player that he's bringing on as well. For example, the um, Jack coming on for Lundstrom um, and, and whatnot. Whereas the changes that we made yesterday, whilst I suppose the system never really changed that much, you were taking off guys who, you know, like the likes of Dessers, for example, might come on to him later, um, who was a wee bit slow and, and rugged, and you're bringing on the likes of Rabi Matondo and Sima, who are pacey, powerful, can get him behind. And how, how important is it that, you know, Whilst Bill, you know, may have as we are playing, and I still don't think we're seeing that come to fruition yet, but hopefully it will. But we also need to have backup plans as well, where in situations like yesterday, if things aren't completely going away, 
we can make impacts subs and, and change the game. Definitely, and they've looked over it. And uh, the, the thing that really frustrated me last week against Kilmarnock was that it seemed to be back to, uh, if you were just to take a, a guy and not tell them about the changes in the last 12 months, you think that was a Giovanni Van Broekers performance at the Bulls, were going out wide to the full-backs, crosses in, big defenders getting away. But as yesterday, we kind of kept the, shape, the same shape, but we just changed the, the kind of tactic and it was direct. We were playing inside a lot more, I felt. I felt Lammers was getting on the ball quite a lot. And, and that's what you want. You want you need variety. And that, that's what uh, Bill said that he's wanting to do. He wants that front four or whatever you want to call it to be able to interchange and, and, and cause chaos. And, and that's what he's doing. If, you, if you've got four or five guys running at you and you don't know, and then the next time it's, again, it's the same five in a different way, it's hard to pick up. And that, that's what you're wanting to do. But last last week was very, very predictable. It was, it was just the same old, same old every time. And that just played into Kilmarnock's hands. Because at least we've made the changes on Saturday and it's, it's, it's changed the game it's not just been the same um, tactic so yeah I'm happy that they've done it mm-hmm. Ross I mean what, what's your thoughts on sort of Bill's overall system and, and you know philosophy such I mean like I said earlier I'm still a wee bit unsure of it at the moment I think you can see at times what he's trying to do but at other times you can't I mean you know like, like we said last week you know it was limp it was you know at times a bit lazy, just uninspiring, doing the same thing over and over again. Kind of reminded me a wee bit of that St. Johnson game at McDermott Park last year, just constant crosses into the box. And as I say, the changes that he made were like for like. How how important is it that, you know, like I said to Gary, you know, we're capable of bringing on players that are actually capable of doing different things and changing a game up? Yeah, well, just on that point, I think that's, you know, we, we, we look at the recruitment we've had this year, the recruitment in this summer has been quite rightly so far focused on different types of attacking player. We've brought in uh, Lammers, Desser, Seema, Dowell. Um, they are <laughs> creative players or, or, or should be goal scorers. Um, so we do have options to change games. And, and uh, as you and Gary both say that Seema and Matondo came on yesterday, different types of players for the players that were brought off and it, it changed the game. Um, that being said, to go back to your original question about the style of play or the, the, the structure of the system, I don't know. Um, I'm still holding out hope that Michael Beale is this tactical genius that we all try and say that he is. Like He's the guy who went to Brazil. He's the guy that's written books about tactics and formations. Um, so I'm personally not even going to try and understand what sort of system he's going to play because I won't, I won't get it even if I, if I spend the effort on it. So I, I feel that Whatever system he's trying to play, whatever tactic it is, whatever um, message he's trying to get across, it's probably too early to judge because he's brought in a lot of players so far, um, particularly middle to front, uh, players that he's not worked with before, players that have come from many different leagues, from many different countries. So I think it's going to take a bit of time actually for all of this to gel. And we probably knew that, you know, I think... When you take a step back and analyse football rationally, you know that when you bring in five, six, seven, eight first-team players, then there is going to be a bit of a bedding-in period. Um, so I think it's probably actually too early to start asking questions about what kind of football Bill's trying to play because the players probably need a bit of time to get to grips with the whole thing. Um, that being said, I think that's where having different types of players and having better strength and depth comes from. 
you know, the, the, the problem we've had over the last two seasons is we haven't had any strength and depth up top, whether that's because you couldn't rely on some of our strikers, um, whether that's for consistency reasons with the likes of Fashion Sakala, who kind of blew hot and cold, or injury reasons with Kamar Roof. Um, but now we have enough players and we have enough different types of players that um, whilst we're in this bedding in period and whilst the players are getting used to the message that, that Mick was trying to get across, um, we should have enough different ways of playing to, to get it over the line. Yeah, Gary, that's a good point that Ross makes about the strength and depth. And that is something that we probably have lacked the last couple of seasons. Um, well, maybe not in terms of squad numbers, but just with injuries and stuff like that. But, you know, take yesterday, even if that game's, you know, now now we're crying out for a goal, look to the bench, you can bring on Hadji, you can bring on Roof, you can bring on Sima, you can bring on Matondo, you can bring on Dowell. That's pretty qual- quality strength and depth. And I know, you know, Matondo... And rightly so has had his critics, but at the end of the day, he's still someone who who costs us three million quid. He's accumulated, you know, probably fifteen to twenty million pound worth of, of transfers at the age of like twenty one, twenty two. So there is obviously something there if he's managed to do that. Um, and Sima as well, you know, he's a guy playing for a Premier League club in Brighton, and we all know how how well their recruitment's been the last couple of seasons. So. You know, it is, it is important to have that strength and depth and it's something, you know, that I'm that I'm glad we've got now, Gary. Yeah, see that I think especially in Matondo's case, um he should be given a blank slate at the start of the season. Um clearly it's, it's maybe hard at his age coming into a new club, big transfer fee and maybe a bit of um expectation. But uh, if Bill thinks he's he can do a job, then we've got to support him and all he can do is do what he did yesterday. I'm sure uh, we have a lot of fans getting on his side. No, absolutely. Um, sort of moving on then. Um, yesterday, don't know if you've seen, but uh, a certain Mr. Fashion Sakala scored on his debut for a Saudi Arabian team whose name I'm not even going to try and butcher. No, no, I'm not doing it. It's, it'll be Al something. Um, you know, that's that's as good as... Al Bundy. Aye, something like that anyway. But Gary, um, I was a bit gutted when Fashion left. Um, you know, I like him. I think he was a really likeable person. Always played with a smile on his face. Always gave 100% as well, which I think is something that, you know, certainly in the last season or two, a lot of players could have taken lessons um, from him on that one. I know he had his critics and I understand it. You know, big moments at Hamden against Celtic where he's, he's missing open goals. I would kind of caveat, caveat that by saying Alfredo Morelos was a hero of the fans who also missed open goals against Celtic. I think he only scored three goals against Celtic in, what, six years or something like that. So, you know, it's not a, an issue that was, you know, something that, that happens to just fashion to Cala. Um But I um, I was a bit gutted that, that he's left. I think he's someone that could have offered something. Um, and to be fair, if it's three, four million quid... Could we get a wee bit more money? I don't know, but I, I'm a wee bit gutted that he's left, Gary. What about what about um, your feelings on it? Yeah, I, I didn't mind fashion Sakala. We knew what his strengths were, knew what his weaknesses were. But uh, at the end of the day, if you're signing a guy in a free transfer and selling him for potentially £4 million, I think that's just uh, the business that you've got to do. Um, but if, if we can manage to use that money to strengthen other positions, possibly a set or back, and it's a, I think it's a very good bit of business. Um, I said previously that you need guys to kind of score against the rest. 
which he seems to be able to do. But if you look at the depth you've got up front there now, could they really get even on the bench at the moment? I'm not too sure. So I think it was a, a good yeah, a good deal to get get rid of him. That's a fair point actually, and you know, we did just speak about the strength and depth, how how would he fit into into the squad? I mean, Ross, what's your thoughts on, on fashion leaving? I was actually really sorry to see him go and mm. no one would delude themselves to say that he's the best or most gifted player that Rangers had or, or, or would ever have. But if I'm looking at some stats now and if these stats that I've got here are correct, last season in the league, he scored 12 goals and had eight assists. So that's 20, 20 goal contributions, let's say in 29 appearances. If that's correct for a player who's not very good, it's good numbers, right? And and what worries me is, even let's let's take it as twelve goals in twenty nine appearances. What sort of money do you have to spend to guarantee that return? You know, as 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 Gary mentioned, that's a player we brought in for free, and it okay didn't necessarily hit the ground running, and he did blow hot and cold. And yeah, he probably should have had a lot more than those twelve goals um, with the, the the opportunities that he missed, but. He still scored 12 goals in a team that was actually sort of struggling to score goals. Um, so what worries me is that we've we've let him go and we've brought in Dessers, Lammers, um, Danilo. Are they guaranteed to replace those goals? And we certainly hope that they would with the, the money that's been spent on them and and uh, the pedigree that they've got, the clubs that they've played for and the leagues that they've played in. Um, certainly hope that they've replaced those goals, but is yeah, I, I was I was sorry to see him go. I think I think for the football club moving forward, as we try and challenge for the league again, as we try and have a better showing in the Champions League, um, he's probably not the caliber of player that we need. But he he just seemed to buy into the club. He seemed to enjoy it. The fans took to him, um, and he he did have good output. He was the one player. Um, Maybe Scott Wright as well to a lesser extent, but he was the really the one player that I felt if we had a game like Kilmarnock last week where we are just creating nothing, nothing is happening. He's the player that I thought could come on and change it and create something. Probably more often than not because he didn't know what he was going to do. And if he didn't know what he could do, then the defender certainly didn't. But he was still a kind of player that would do something. It was not the thing that we all expected him to do, but he would do something and create something. So, yeah, sad that he's gone. Um you'd hope on paper we've replaced him with better players and with depth as well so we should be fine but yeah I think he had a good season last year yeah um, he certainly goes with our best wishes anyway uh, fashion to Cal I mean Gary Ross made a really interesting point there about his numbers and his contribution for a free transfer like how, how much would you know 12 goals and you know 8, eight assists in what, 29 games how much would that cost you you're talking about four or five million quid um, you know Scott Wright look he, he gets a lot of flack I think he certainly does try but his numbers are just nowhere near good enough to be you know playing playing for Rangers consistently um, and it's kind of something that you know I look at Celtic and I know there's a lot of people saying oh you know Celtic are minted you know they're you know far ahead financially than Rangers which I don't necessarily think is true Um you know, Rangers and Celtic are competing in the same market for players. I think the difference is that Celtic could probably sign more of those players. I think 
from their side, Tax Ivanovic is a good example. I've used that one before. If you compare the likes of him to a Scott Wright, he comes in at Celtic and scores maybe five or six goals, a couple of assists, and he's got reasonable output. Scott Wright gets a couple of assists last season, no goals. Tax Ivanovic costs Celtic two million quid. Scott Wright costs Rangers a development fee. So... If, you're, if Celtic are paying two million quid for a guy to score twelve goals, how much would we need to pay to get a guy um, that's going to get the numbers that Fashion Sakala got? So, you know, it, it is about that balance. But one thing that was good about yesterday: four goals, four different goal scorers, all scoring their first goals for Rangers as well. And if Sufuentes' um, goal had stood as well, that would have been five. I don't think I've ever seen that before, where four players score. Um, the first goal like in the same game like all four goal scorers do um, and it would have been even more weird if it was five but one thing that I really took from that is the spread of goals from across the pitch and we've played three games now we've scored six goals we've got six different goal scorers so you know whilst we're going to miss guys like Fashion's contribution hopefully the likes of Cantwell and, and Hadji and Lawrence when he comes back, Ruth, Danilo, Dessels, Tav, etc. Hopefully their numbers can sort of even out and, you know, basically take us up to, to the level that, that Sakala was getting last year in terms of numbers anyway, Gary. Yeah, but your point about everyone scoring their first goal, um, that'll be because we've changed very near the full team. Um, like from the, the Beals' first game against Hibs, Tavernier's only player that survived for that. So that, that shows you in and it was that last December that, that shows you the, the amount of change that we've made which was needed um, yeah, you, to answer your question about the, the goals for different areas I think we need to look at the 55 season as in that, that's the only kind of uh, evidence we've got for, for success that the one thing we did do that season was we signed quite a few forwards and they all contributed whether it was Roof Hadji Itton Morelos, that's what we needed and uh, hopefully that we can replicate that this year. I think that's what he's went for, to be honest. Um, as I said, you can't rely on just one or two strikers to score goals or four players to score goals. Um, Morelos didn't do it last year, Kent didn't do it last year. So that's why I think he was happy just to let them go. I think they'd had their time. So he's replaced them with younger guys, hopefully hungrier guys. And I'm... I'm quietly optimistic that it'll, it'll work but we'll certainly get goals all, all over the park as we've seen yesterday Yeah, Ross, Gary mentioned Ryan Kent there, I mean I, I've seen some comments by the manager you know, last week which I found quite interesting, saying that he was looking at signing a kind of replacement for Kent, maybe he feels that we've not you know, made a light for light replacement um, what, what's your thoughts on that? I think it, it would be quite clever to try and bring someone in that you know I don't think you're ever going to get the quality that Kent gave you for the most part of his Rangers career um, in the market that we're looking at. But certainly, a you know a guy that's capable of coming in, scoring a few goals, and and you know being able to create some magic, more so in the big European games. Yeah, I, I'm actually on the fence about it. I think, uh, as Gary said, there we have got players now across the park who should be capable of scoring goals. Um, I, you know, one of you mentioned Tom Lawrence a minute ago. I mean, that's, he, he will be like a new signing when he comes back in. And he did look very, very promising in the in the short glance, uh, glimpses that we got of him last season. Um, I would suspect that with the amount of outlay that we've had on transfers this summer, I suspect that there's not a huge amount of money left to be spent 
and maybe that will be dependent on Champions League qualification. I'm, I'm not sure. I would think there are actually other areas of the park that are more of a priority. Um, I, I still think I, it, it sounds like Ridvan isn't really going to cut it and, and that's not worked out. So I think a left back is needed. I think a centre half is needed as well. Um, so I'd actually rather see those two positions get filled before we went looking for a winger. You would think that Yanis uh, Hadji, Tom Lawrence, Campwell, Dowell, Matondo, Scott Wright. Now, maybe the problem is that we've got so many of those kind of attacking midfield type players that, that haven't necessarily worked out. Maybe we need to shift some of them before we could bring someone else in. Um, but each and every one of those should be capable of doing a job first and foremost domestically. So um, if it's a case of unlimited funds, yeah, absolutely. Let's try and shift some of those guys out and and bring in, a, you know, what was it? Ryan Kent cost us seven, seven and a half million, something like that. Um, yeah, if, if, if the money's there, then, then go for it. But I would rather see it spent elsewhere first. Yeah, we do definitely need a couple of defensive reinforcements and speaking of the defence, Gary, I mentioned him earlier, James Tavernier. Um, he's someone who, you know, he's just not really hit the ground running this season in my opinion, you know, fair play him, he scored a big penalty obviously on Wednesday um, but he just looks way off it just now, um, a yard or two off the pace, he's getting beaten um, quite easily he's also struggling to take the ball past people as well, and now I don't know if this is maybe a regression in him or if it's maybe the style of play that Bill's um, wanting him to, to play at the moment. But he just looks way off it. And, you know, I asked Michael Bill the question at the presser yesterday, just what's your thoughts on Tav's performances this season? And he completely shot me down. Like, yeah, everything's fine with Tav. We've got no problems whatsoever with him. Boom, next question. So I, I still don't know, but a lot of people have been saying it to me recently. Um, there's obviously a debate on the captaincy, which, you know, there's probably no point in going into that because we know that that's not going to change. So, you know, we're as well just supporting the manager and his decision on that one. But what's been your, your thoughts on his performances so far? I just I just don't think he's been up to scratch this season at the moment. I have to say, I actually agree with our manager on this one. Um, I think um, our full team has been playing uh, 100%. I think it'll just be a matter of time until we all get used to the new players and what the, the manager's looking for us to do, I'm, I'm sure it will all work out fine, but I've certainly got any problems with James Tavenier, certainly as a captain as well. Um, I, I can't say a bad word about him. I really can't. I love him. Uh, we, all, we all love him deep down, don't we? Ross, what's your thoughts on the captain's performances so far this year? He's not been the captain that we saw in the 55 season, or he's not been the player, I should say, that we saw in the 55 season. I, w I wouldn't say he's been miles off it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, he's... Is he a confidence player? Maybe that's maybe that's playing a part of it. And he's um, he certainly does receive his fair share of criticism. Um, so I think that probably affects him quite, quite a lot. At least once a season, there's a question around Tav saying he should be dropped. We should play Adam Devine. He shouldn't be captain. Um, he should stop playing PlayStation. All of these things, they come up once a year. Um, I'm not too concerned at the moment. I think uh, I think let's give it some give it some time. There's, it, whether it comes down to replacing him with who we've got, we'll, all we've really got is, is Adam Devine, play it right back. Um, or it means go out to the... Um, 
to the transfer market and try and bring someone else in. Well, as I just said, I think money needs to be invested elsewhere rather than than, than going to a right back. So, um, yeah, he's he's not been at his best, but uh, as Gary says, there's quite a few that have not been at their best so far this season. So he kind of gets a pass for me. Yeah, I just think he, he has been way off. I just I don't know. Maybe it's he's thirty one now. Um, I know. Look. I think he's been a great professional. He obviously keeps himself fit. He, he's really injured, but he does have a lot of miles on the clock. And you, you've seen it with guys in the past, like Wayne Rooney, Fernando Torres, you know, bursting on at the scene when they're, you know, 19, 20. Well, Rooney was, what, 16? Because he was just a completely different animal. But by the time they get to 30, 31, they're absolutely knackered. And I think that's kind of what's concerning with me about Tav. It's, you know, I don't want to use the words unfit because it's it's... It would be lazy of me to say that, and obviously as fit, you know, be passing tests and, and what have you, and you know, be looked after every day at Rangers. So it, it it's not that, but it it does just look a yard or two off it, and you know, maybe it is, you know, could be the, you know, new style of play, trying to play with different players, um, and whatnot. But yeah, hopefully, hopefully he continues anyway. Certainly, we'll still need him for his, um his dead balls um, because he is a dead ball specialist as we know um, last season was probably his best season in terms of like free kicks some of the ones that he scored was ridiculous too at Livy obviously the one at Celtic Park so um, we'll probably get a penalty on Tuesday anyway after a hard decision a handball or something like that and then he'll score again and, and shut me up and hopefully he does do that I'd love nothing more than for that to happen but um, Gary hey, can, can I just come in a bit before we move on You've got to remember, like we just were talking about Sakala earlier about numbers and contributions. Like, show me where moving Tav for somebody else that gives you that numbers. How much would that kind of player cost? Mm, that's true. He's, I, I, really, I really think he's one of these players. He's an easy target probably because he's been there that long. Um, but, <laughs> uh, Ross was saying earlier about people wanting him to play for Adam Devine. There was fans wanting Lee Hodgson to play in front of him at one point. It's, it's ridiculous abuse he's had. Hey, come on, Lee Hodgson, Lee Hodgson get man of the match against Germany in Euro 2016. Come on. Mm. I, I, I don't even know if that's true or no. I, I remember what, what, what about him said uh, over signing uh, somebody at the European Championships when they <laughs> salivating and then he walked in. But yeah, I, I think, as I say, in all seriousness, what you get for Tavenier far outweighs any negatives in his game. And, and he'll be one of the players when he misses. If when he finally leaves, we'll look back and say what a player he was. He really is. Mm. I, I think so as well. I just I just think he's not been great the last few weeks. But hey ho, we'll move on to Tuesday anyway. Um, Ross, we'll come on to you first. Then on it, um, obviously it's massive. You know, for me, Champions League is the Champions League. It's you know it's the pinnacle of of football. Um, I don't understand these people that turn around and say I would rather Rangers were in the Europa League because I prefer the Europa League like that yeah the, the, the Europa League song's better anyway it's not really we all know that I mean, the Euro, Europa League tune is a bit catchy but it's not as good as the Champions League song I want to be in the Champions League not just in terms of finances which we know is going to be massive but for prestige as well and I, you know I can understand fans maybe being a wee bit you know pessimistic after we get gubbed last year in every game but you know the way that I'm coming from it is we're Rangers, okay? We should be in the Champions League every year, in my opinion. You know, we were one of the founding clubs of the tournament back in the day. Um, you know, we shouldn't be going in being scared to get 
bat- like battered off, you know, Man City or Liverpool, I thought we should be going, you know, trying to get the best that we can do and, and you know, try and build build on it. I mean, Tuesday's massive in my opinion, Ross, uh, you know, I, I just think, and, and as well, it's a £5 million playoff, so even if we get knocked out in the next round by PSV, just for winning on Tuesday, you get £5 million quid, and you know, that can be reinvested in the squad, so for me, it's, it's absolutely massive that we can we can negotiate this time. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Um, I think when people say oh, Europa League's better, or I'd rather be in the Europa League, I think what, what people are saying is, I want to be competing, and I want to be winning. Um, some of the best moments I've had in football were in that Europa League run a couple of seasons ago. There's a, a, a photo behind me um, of the stands at Ibrox that, that night that we beat Leipzig. Um, and it was just, that was that was the most extraordinary moment I've ever had as a football fan. So I think, that, you know, when people have come from that, that experience into what we had in the Champions League last year, I can see why people um, were pining for, for 2021. Uh, 22. So I kind of get that. But what I want is I want to see us competitive uh, on, on Europe's biggest stage. So it has to be the Champions League. There is no reason when you look at some of the teams, there's no reason why we can't go there and be competitive. I think that, you know, it was a it was a real shame how we, you know, the account of ourselves that we gave last year in the Champions League. Um, it, it wasn't good enough and it, it didn't really look, we didn't look brave enough at during any of those ties um, but you're right it, Tuesday night is is massive massive for the football club it, 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 if we can qualify for the Champions League again this season it shows that last season wasn't a fluke it sort of cements that that is our rightful place as, as the, uh, one of the top European football clubs um, I, I believe it's where we deserve to be. It's where we as a fan base deserve to be. Look at where we've been, look at what we've been through and and the numbers that we still, we are uh, without a doubt the best fans in the world when you look at what we've supported through. And um, I think we deserve an opportunity again to display that across Europe in, in Europe's premier competition. It also pisses me off no end when you're in the Europa League playing on a Thursday and it means that you get absolutely no Saturday home games. Um, that just sort of screws with my weekend schedule a wee bit. Um, because the flights from London to Glasgow and back on a Sunday are nowhere near as good as they are on a Saturday. Um, so, if, yeah, look, Champions League, is, it's huge. PSV will be a really tricky tie. I know, obviously, we, we, we got by them last year, um, but they are a different animal. So they signed Malik Tillman in the week, so um, that, that's an interesting little subplot there. Um, we should have enough for server regardless of it being in in, uh, in Geneva, I understand they, you know, good fans, they create a good atmosphere, etc. But we have gone to harder places. We've gone to the likes of um, of Belgrade. We've gone to Leipzig. Um, we've gone to Dortmund and got good results. We should have enough to get by Servet. Um, we should be going with more of an advantage than we are, and that's a shame. But um, I, I think it was clear as well in yesterday's team selection, he'd made some choices with a, with an eye on on Tuesday, you know, Connor Goldson being left out, for example, that was unthinkable last season or two seasons ago, Connor Goldson missing a game. I'm pleased to see that we're in a position that we can do that. Um, I think I read today somewhere that, that John Lundstrom isn't travelling, um, that he's he's staying behind. So um, I'm actually not too disappointed in that because he's the one player I think for about 18 months now has been seriously, seriously off it. Um, but yeah, look, Tuesday, 
Tuesday is massive for us. And, and it may well be, I think, when we were um, trying to qualify for the Champions League under under Steven Gerrard and we, we got knocked out, was it by Malmo, I think, um, that seems to hasten Gerrard's exit. And, and there were definitely rumours around that time that he'd been promised investment or he'd been promised more players if we were to qualify for the Champions League. Um, that's probably where we are again now is that Bill has probably used up his first kind of tranche of, of transfer funds and he's been promised more if he can get us into the Champions League. So I hope he can do it. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, the finances for this are, are huge, Gary. Um, you know, I know last year we didn't make as much money as we all thought we would from the Champions League because of, I think, the way the 10-year coefficient works. You know, if we manage to get in it this year, it'll be a lot more money than we got last year. And, you know, fingers crossed we get more prize money than last year. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, you know, all we need is a draw. <laughs> but... Um, it's massive, you know, and Peter Lawwell said it at Celtic, in order for them to maintain their financial model, they need to qualify for the Champions League three out of five seasons. Um, now, if they obviously qualified for it last year, they've qualified for it automatically again this year. We cannot continue to give them more of an advantage as, as what they already have over us financially. Um, so, we need to at least match what they do in Europe in terms of, you know, progression. So if they're in the Champions League, you know, we need to get in the Champions League. Otherwise, you're talking about you're, you're going to be minimum 15, 20 million quid worse off than them. And you really don't want to go into a, a new season and, you know, in that position. Yeah, that's it. As we've spoken about before, Celtic have got that advantage straight away, just due to the larger stadium we've got. If they continue to get Champions League football, they'll, they'll continue to they have a financial gap that you've, you've got to try and close, whether it's selling or better players or whatever. But um, so I, I'm, you mentioned earlier about uh, some people saying they'd rather be in the Europa League. I, I'm, I'm kind of where Ross is, uh, or what Ross was alluding to, that people just want to be competitive. As I've said in this pod before, modern football, just, I hate it. And it's it's that greed in a league. Uh, that's there that are preventing like big teams like Rangers for, for getting any better. So, uh, in my opinion, getting to the Champions League is great. Gives you money, gives you the prestige. But we're we're never going to qualify unless it's an absolute fluke into the latter stages of that tournament. So, in an ideal world, you get a a, a good draw, and then you can maybe fall into the, the Europa League later on. But uh, they come back to the original point, getting that whatever millions it is to, to, to stay level with Celtics are, are a must but uh, I, I really really worry about the next round because I think if we do qualify play PSV I think that'll be a very very tough match Yeah it will be and, um, yeah, Malik Tillman that's an interesting one I was very disappointed to see him go to PSV of all teams especially after his exploits in Eindhoven last year Ross lastly on this um, topic with yourself um, you kind of alluded to a little about the Europa League and playing Thursdays and, and whatnot and it messes up with people's schedules. For, for me as well, that that's another thing where I hate going into a game on a Sunday when they're playing on a Saturday because straight away they've got a chance to go out and go three points ahead of you. Now, obviously, you've got a game in hand, but I just want the points on the board. So at least if we're in the Champions League, you know, it allows us to play our games, you know, at the same time as Celtic. Um, so they're not getting an advantage over that. And also as well, you know, if we were to get into the Europa League and maybe go on another run like we did a couple of years ago, 
obviously that would be amazing, right? I'm not, you know, I wouldn't knock it for a second, but we need to remember the impact that that's going to have on your domestic season as well. And history tells you the last three times that you know teams in Scotland have gone to the UEFA Cup Europa League final. You just don't win the league. It doesn't happen. It just seems that you know you're so focused on that. When it gets to a certain point, maybe the quarterfinals. That's like all you can think about is like we're at this stage, you know, we can go to the final. Celtic in 2003 lost in the last day. Us in 2008 lost in the last day. You know, us in 2022, you know, Celtic won it before, but I think it was only about four points in the end. So for me, not just, as I say, the finances of prestige, but from a domestic point of view, there could be a massive advantage to being in the Champions League as well. Uh, that's assuming that we don't get to like the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Um, oh, I mean, I take that as well. <laughs> Look, I think um, it's, it's a really difficult question, actually, because I remember back at the time when we got to like quarterfinals, semifinals um, of the Europa League a couple of years ago, people were naturally asking that question of, oh, well, would you rather win the league or win the Europa League? Or would you rather win the league or get to the final of this? And um, uh, both of those things are just so joyous, you know. Winning fifty-five and getting to the Europa League final were both such such wonderful experiences and great memories. Um, Celtic getting to three in a row would be pretty bitter. So, yeah, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't trade that European run for anything. I really wouldn't. But winning the league this year is more important than anything else now. So, I, I do see where you're coming from. I'm not going to commit to saying. I want us in the Champions League so that we get knocked out earlier, um, because it's just I don't think that's in any of our any of our nature or our DNA to say something like that. But winning the league this year is really really important. So, um, but you know, like I say, Champions League, more money, more investment in players, greater squad depth. We should have enough to to do both, right? I don't know. Um, either way, we just need to we need to win the league. We absolutely do. Um, Ross, then I'll come to you first. Predictions for for Tuesday. What you saying? Tuesday, I think it'll be tough. Um, I think they will. I think they will score, but I think we will also score. I think we'll probably get away with a a one each, and I think I don't think it'll be easy. Um, obviously, they they did well to to get by the Belgians in the last round. Um, they are they're no mugs. They had a lot of players missing last week that some of them are are going to return for them. So um, I think we'll we'll come away with a score draw and uh, and, and push on through. Not bad, Gary. What about yourself, mate? What are you saying for Tuesday? Yeah, I agree with Ross. One each, two each. I don't I'd bite your hand off for that at the moment. Anything but a defeat would do me. Oh, absolutely. Just, um, you know, I'd take the draw and get through it. Absolutely. But I don't know. I've got a sneaky feeling we'll win. I think we'll win 1 0. I'll go for a tab pen, just like I predicted earlier. A wee handball, a wee penalty to Rangers. You absolutely love to see it. And, you know, we'll definitely take that on Tuesday. Um, but thanks very much for tuning in, guys. We're, we're going to wrap up there. Let you enjoy what's left of this weekend. Um, all that's left for me to do now is thank my guests for coming on, Gary. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Thank you. Well, and Ross as well. Thanks very much for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. No problem at all, guys. Um, just a reminder, we will be back um, on Friday with um, a preview pod um, for the Morton um, Cup tie on Saturday. And hopefully we'll be talking about... Um, a certain Rangers versus PSV tie that could be happening that midweek as well. But that's all from me tonight, guys. Have a good rest of your weekend and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.